get that haircut that you go saw on a on date. Pinterest. Yeah, go on many <laughs> dates. Fit them all into the ovulation phase. <laughs> Welcome back to Do What You Can for the People, the show that nobody asked for. I'm here today with Emily Bruce and Keely Anastasia, who are the co-hosts of the Fifth Element podcast. The Fifth Element podcast is a show for people seeking intimate connection with their innermost self through holistic healing, cosmic consciousness, and radical rebirth. Their mission is to create content and opportunities for listeners to join the collective journey towards intuition and integration. I'm going to introduce these two ladies a little bit more. Um, so Emily is a modern day medicine woman passionate about radical birth keeping, traditional midwifery, women's health advocacy, and rebuilding the matriarchy. She hosts women's circles monthly and offers mentorship to women wanting to take their power back in all areas of their life. Keely is a cosmic creative motivated by an effervescent desire to encounter the ways in which health, food, and spirituality meet at the intersection of holistic wellness. Thank you guys so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having us. So excited. So I wanted to have you guys on the show today because you did an episode on your podcast last year called Your Womb and the Moon, and I am 100% obsessed with it. I've listened (laughs) to it twice, and I was screaming both times while listening to it because it's all about flipping the narrative on womanhood and thinking about it as less of a burden and more as a source of empowerment, which I think is a really important conversation when you're talking about social sustainability and women in leadership and in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I loved how you made that connection because this, this was one of our episodes that really did pop off as, as the young kids say, but um, yeah, the connection between or the, I guess the application that you can really apply it to all areas of life um, was really great to hear. So I'm very excited to dive in. Yeah. And one of the things that really struck me, which is something that I think people don't talk about enough is the systemic conditioning. Um, And I know you guys really dive into this in your episode, but it's like how we've come to view our bodies and cycles as burdensome and everything has been created from the viewpoint of the patriarchy. um, And women were just kind of like, conditioned to accept this treatment and that happened somewhere along the way. Definitely. And the term you used, social sustainability, is so um, such a great way to like reframe the conversation because I feel like we hear these terms like, oh, burnout or, you know, stuff like that to almost like justify not being satisfied or not living in accordance with the way that we are naturally designed to live and thrive um and so much of that is what we try to bring light to on our podcast and in that episode especially 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 through the lens of um like our innate and divine femininity and womanhood um and living in accordance with our cycles and just living the way that we're designed to live so that we can actually be living and stop Um, trying to conform to standards that have been put in place by the patriarchy. Yeah, and what I loved about your episode was kind of like how you reframed everything as a positive um, and really tapped into that empowerment that like we have access to all of these energies that men don't have access to. um, And we should really channel that and recognize it as a competitive advantage, if you will, to use some business lingo. Um, And I really Mm. like that. I really, really like that because I think in my life and the cultural relevance that I have, you know, being an Indian woman is that, especially like in rural India, there's this whole like taboo around women and menstruation. And you guys go so deep in your episode about like the cycles and, you know, how our sex ed system is all kinds of fucked up and Uh, But in rural India, menstruating women are like not even allowed to sleep in their house. And to this day, menstruating women are not allowed in temples in India. And it's like this whole complete denial of something that is so natural um, and something that should be, like you guys put it, celebrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's this quote that I love that's like, women are the only people that can bleed once a month and not die. 
Um, and it's also like the, the blood that we shed is the only blood that's not coming from pain or violence. And yet it's the, it's, it's the most, like you said, taboo or, um, you know, internalized shame or seen as dirty. Um, and there are a lot of cultures that still have, I mean, I think our American culture, it's a little bit more subtle and not as like apparent as you can't come in the temple when you're bleeding. But I think that there are a lot of cultures that are still um, embedded in that shame. And we often think of things like, you know, um, aborting babies that are girls or things like female genital mutilation or even things like child trafficking. Um, but we don't often think about the effect that it has on a woman where once a month she's literally shunned from her community. Um, or in our case, she's completely um, disregarded. This experience that she's going through is completely disregarded or it's ridiculed or it's just um, not seen as any rite of passage, whether it's negative or positive. Um, and like you said, there's a real advantage to living in alignment with your design. And what we talk about a lot of our, on our podcast is like, there's nothing wrong with the way we were designed. What's wrong is this society, this box that we've had to fit in. And patriarchy really does not serve anyone. Like these, this nine to five hustle grind culture, um, it also doesn't serve men, but um, they're a little bit more biologically and hormonally equipped to handle what comes with that. Um, and that does not, I think that this conversation gets nuanced. And I think that's why a lot of people don't have it because it does not mean women cannot participate in that. Of course not. What it is, is a critique on the systems in general and, and saying, can we dream of a, a different type of future or a different type of work environment, a different type of culture, just like with sustainability um, that involves a lot of like visioning of what the future might look like if we dared to like step outside of what the norm is right now. Yeah. And I think this is a particularly interesting time to have that conversation because COVID has really forced us to re-examine work like mm -hmm. as a concept. And, you know, we've been we've changed from like a workplace, like an office to working at home. And I think a lot of women are feeling the pressure more than men because a lot of the housework and if you have children, childcare responsibilities have fallen on them. And so I think this is a perfect time to kind of really re-examine like what are the systems that we have been operating in? Why have we been operating in those? And are they necessary? Like, can we change them? Can we make them more flexible? How do we make it a more inclusive workplace for all types of people. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And on the note of like working from home and trying to balance all these other things, like before women were working from home, we already felt like two steps behind, especially in places like corporate America and things like that and having to work harder than men to, you know, conform. And that's everything that we've been talking about of like, we're, yeah, we have to work twice as hard because we're not designed to operate in those spaces in those ways. Um, and now, you know, the transition to working from home and trying to juggle and balance all these other things and show up in the best way possible. We can't do that just in general, but especially not at certain times of our cycle when we're literally not supposed to be doing anything at all except resting um, and reflecting and leaning into um, all that we are. And so, you know, it's this, it's just never going to work. It's never going to work if we keep trying to like conform ourselves to this cookie cutter mentality and society that has been dictated for us. Yeah, and I actually look at it as sort of like a way of systemic oppression because by asking women to conform and not giving them the ability to kind of lean into the various moods of their cycles, if you will, and we'll get into the kind of details of this, you're basically creating a situation where they're set up to fail um, by yeah. asking women to come to work every day with the same attitude over and over again and asking them to 
give a presentation when you know everything in their body is telling them to recoil and turn inward then obviously you're not setting them up for success and so that kind of just is like a self-fulfilling prophecy and a snowball effect of like things continuing on the way that they've always been yeah and it's like a microcosm of the larger kind of like issue that we're um trying to build conversation around like women are not taught to respect their bodies or even taught about their bodies. We touched on sex ed earlier, but just like thinking about your first experience with your period, if you're a woman, like your first experience with your period, um, that is an initiation, whether your mom sat you down and had a conversation or your sister just like threw a tampon in the bathroom and was like, figure it out. Like that is building your um, foundation of what it means to be a woman. And nine times out of 10, the stories that I've heard, they are covered in shame or embarrassment or guilt or like, oh my gosh, I did something wrong. There's something wrong with me. This is so embarrassing. I got sent to the nurse's office. I got sent home. Um, my mom like whispered and said like, don't tell anyone. Like there's all this taboo. And I think people, because that's just the norm, we've made it feel like that's just how it is and that's okay. Um, but I love to talk about like, um, there's this really beautiful book called The Red Tent and it talks about, um, it's set in like biblical, it's kind of like a re-envisioning of biblical um, history and it's from the perspective of a woman and they talk about these red tents where essentially um, it, when, you know, when people were living in tents and tribes, there would be a tent set aside for women to enter into when they were bleeding. And so um, because there weren't as many like environmental toxins and endocrine disruptors, um, women's cycles were linked with the cycle of the moon. And so most often women were all bleeding around the new moon together. And that has to do with ovulation and the light of the full moon and bleeding coming around the new moon. But um, it was a total, uh, it was a time for total withdrawal of the women to enter into this tent together and be in ceremony together and have all these initiations when women got their first bleed or when they were pregnant or if, you know, they were having a early birth or a pregnancy release. And the men, um, so we, we kind of think of it now or like what we hear about now is more of that shunning mentality of like, you're not allowed. But what it was really like back then was men were like, oh, this is like the spiritual commune of the month. Like we gotta, we pick up the slack, the women are recharging, they're doing their thing and any major decisions that had to be made for the community were um, not made until after the women came out, of, came out of their red tent because it was just known that this is where the wisdom of the women came from. Women gathering together and taking the time to reflect and not have to cook and serve for everybody like they did um, traditionally in those roles back then. So, I mean, this wisdom is ancient and it's, it's not, um, you know, we're not born hating our bodies or feeling like we are a burden it's very imposed upon us and so I think you know thinking about just like your first period experience or asking other people about theirs and then reading about um these kind of like more ancient uh rituals and rites of passage it can really show you where there's the gap there and take a lot of the shame out of it because it's not you that did something wrong or your mom or your sister or your aunt or your grandmother it's um the effects of living in a highly sexually oppressive and patriarchal and everything else, all the isms, society. So yeah, I really appreciate you mentioning also like bringing in your culture as an Indian woman because of that, because, um, you know, I'm sure if you went farther back, there would be those beautiful rites of passage and initiation ceremonies, but somewhere along the way and we can kind of tie it to the, the witch hunts and the rise of the church and all of that. Um, it was spun to be like, you're dirty, you're evil, 
and you don't have any power with us. So true. And I will say I am seeing like the start of a shift back to the celebration, even in Indian culture. So whereas Mm. um, my father is very uncomfortable talking about periods and menstruation. And I used to make a lot of excuses for him like, oh, you know, he doesn't have sisters. And obviously like, it's not something that his mom would talk to him about. But I see my brother, my younger brother with his partner like talking openly like, oh yeah, she's bleeding right now. And like, you know, I've got her her hot water bottle here and I'm just, I'm so proud um, that it's like, it's transferred already. And I don't know if it was something my mom did or maybe I did, but I'll take it and hopefully he (laughs) continues to pay it forward. That's beautiful. Yes, I remember the first time my dad was like, um, when I started talking more openly about this, he was like, I never even, it never even crossed my mind that women would have any sort of shame around that. And I was like, really? (laughs) Oh, that says a lot because I do think, you know, it can be very easy to blame patriarchy and, you know, men. But I do think it's, like I said, it doesn't, patriarchy doesn't serve anyone. Like, I think that it is not men out here just trying to like make women feel burdened and uncomfortable, but it's very, very subconscious and passed down through the generations. Yeah. And I mean, we see a lot of like women on women crime as well. Like, like you talked about that there are situations where moms themselves will like make it a very hush hush experience. And so that's not something that men are doing. That's just a societal thing that's happened over time. And it's, it's unfortunate, but it's the reality we're in. And so we're going to be out here talking about our periods and making it less taboo. I'm here for it. Well, yeah. And that's the thing about taboos is like the more we talk about it, the less taboo it becomes. So, I mean, we just got to rise up and start talking unapologetically. Here for it. Okay. So let's maybe dig into a little bit about why cycles matter. Um, And one of the things that I learned from listening to your podcast and doing my own research a little bit was circadian rhythms and infradian rhythms. Um, So everyone is familiar with the circadian rhythm. It operates on like a 24 hour cycle. But what a lot of people didn't know, myself included until very recently, was that women also operate on this different rhythm called the infradian rhythm, which follows a more monthly cycle. And it Mm -hmm. tends to sync up with your menstrual cycle, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's based on your, the hormones that you're cycling through. Um, so men's hormones are on a 24 hour clock. Testosterone, um, is highest in the morning. It dips throughout the evening. Um, and that's kind of where, you know, we, we hear things like, you know, get your workout in the morning, eat a huge breakfast, you know, get your, like productivity in the morning. And then, you know, you just have a morning routine, Mm -hmm. right? You like wind down, you know, all your, uh, all the meetings are like, right. When you get to the office in the morning and then you wind down happy hours around that time where it's a little bit more, um, as men's testosterone is dropping, it's like a little more of that socialization energy. And that's kind of like the time where, um, events happen in the workplace. And then, it dips when the sun goes down and um, comes up again. So that is not um, how women's bodies work. And even like we talk about astrology on our podcast and, you know, in the ancient principles of astrology, the sun, which is on this 24 hour cycle is associated with um, the yang energy, the, the male archetype. And then um, the moon, which obviously operates on a month long, cycle is associated with um, maternal energy and the yin archetype. So women's hormones are fluctuating throughout the month. Um, And yes, we are also, you know, operating on the circadian rhythm. We are connected to the sun just as humans, but we have another layer that is often, you know, more influential on our lives um, than just you know, the easy, like 24 hour. And so there is a week out of the month where you, you will feel really productive and really energized. And, you know, like you can kind of make the morning fitness routine and you can make the happy hours and the morning meetings. And then, um, you know, what we now 
what we consider like PMS, it's your luteal phase before you start bleeding, um, you're going to need a lot more sleep. Uh, you're going to need to not talk as much. You're actually more focused, but you're not more externally, um, you know, able to network or collaborate as well. It doesn't mean you can't. And, and you certainly, you know, we all can make everything happen. Women are amazing. Um, but just hormonally, your hormones are dropping if you're not pregnant. So right before you bleed, um, your hormones will be at the lowest point, which is why you need um, a lot of rest. And then, you know, obviously when you're on your period, the thought of a morning workout is like so detrimental to your body. Um, yeah, so it is really fascinating to look at how our whole culture, not just workplaces, but, you know, school, like everything is set up on this more 24 hour clock um, without really, and we can trace that back to, you know, women not being a part of schools and workplaces and all these other things until very recently in the span of time. Um, but yeah, it's just not conducive to what we could be giving. And like, you know, the example of, uh, I'm sure everyone has heard like, oh, a woman could never be president because she's mm -hmm. too emotional. Um, you know, everyone's heard that it's like ingrained in everyone's mind is this like cultural joke. And yeah, a woman is not able to like show up at the same exact energy level every day based on like if she ate the same thing and did the same workout and just kind of operated on this 24 hour cycle. But she goes through these intense periods of creativity and then goes inward and reflects and integrates on what um, she's experienced the last cycle and has access to, you know, this fluctuation of energy just inherently, not having to source it from an external place. And I think a lot of women don't even know that they have access to that because they've been so, had to be so disconnected from their body and just push through. Yeah, it's very much like putting a square peg into a round hole, right? And I think people don't talk about this enough and they should because when you're equipped with the knowledge of the phases that you're going through, you have some flexibility to kind of tap into and harness that. So I don't want to get too into the weeds with the phases here. I want everyone to go listen to your podcast for all the details, but there's like the follicular phase, which is the time to do your admin tasks. And that's the highly creative phase. And then your ovulatory phase, which is like really short, it only lasts about 48 hours, but that's the time that you should like negotiate your salary um, mm -hmm. or like give your presentation <laughs> or like get that haircut that you go saw on a Pinterest. date. Yeah. Go on many <laughs> dates, fit them all into the ovulation phase. Yeah, just that 48 hour cycle and you're just bang, 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 eight dates, <laughs> knock it out. <laughs> then you have the luteal phase, which is like what people mark as your PMS. And it's got this like really bad rap, but it's actually like where you're super detail oriented and you mm -hmm. can focus and finish projects and you turn more inward, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. If you're like, you know, getting everything off of your to-do list, that's great. Do that. Um, and then your menstrual phase, which is actually the time that's for reflection and course correction and thinking back on the past 30 days and kind of like that software update that you give your brain, if you will. Mm. I like it. Um, and I think that if people knew that, if women knew that, it would also be great for our mental health in a way that like we wouldn't have as much self-doubt and imposter syndrome and this like negative conversation that I see happening a lot in our female brains. Like, oh, well, you know, maybe if I didn't crush that presentation, that's okay because it's my luteal phase and I don't really want to be <laughs> presenting to yeah. a Zoom of 500 people. And we could kind of execute a little bit more grace and love towards ourselves. Yeah, grace, but then also taking ownership and stepping into um, and like being proud of those times, like, you know, maybe scheduling those important meetings during those times of your cycle when you're more adept to do those things. And just like syncing up your life as much as possible with the syncing of your body that you can't change. And like, thank goodness for that, because your body is just like on this clock and on this schedule. It's keeping everything um, like in line and in order and giving us direction for our life so that we can align our exterior world with our innate internal world. 
And, you know, to be able to do that, the more we tune into our cycles and align, um, you know, the hormones and all the things to make that more possible, like the more enjoyable it becomes and the more we fall in love with our femininity and with our womanhood um, and the more we command the world to fall into balance with that. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that that is what we should all be aiming for. I mean, if COVID has taught us nothing else is that we don't need to be sitting at a desk in an office from nine to five, day in, day out. The work will get done. And wouldn't it be great if the work got done in a way that makes us happy along the way and doesn't crush our souls? And mm-hmm. I don't know. I've, I've never been an advocate for the nine to five workday, which is why I've been self-employed for most of my adult life. And mm-hmm. it works out really well for me, which I know is privileged, but um, I, I wish more people had that option because even within the 24-hour cycle, you, you have different chronotypes is something I learned about recently. I don't know if you guys are super familiar with this, but it's like within the circadian rhythm, you have four different types. It's like your morning riser and your night owl. And then the people who are like the crazies who wake up at like four o'clock in the morning, but are completely burnt out by noon. And mm-hmm. even within that 24 hour cycle, we have these different personality types. And why are we trying to make everyone conform to this same concept of a nine to five work day? Mm-hmm. And even on the, on the, like, thinking about visioning our future, like, if, if girls were taught in, you know, the sixth, fifth, sixth grade health class about the different phases of their cycle and the different energies and how to track them and how to know when they're fertile and not just taught how to put a condom on a banana, how many more jobs would be invented that are conducive to this way of living? How many more systems would have been dreamed up by now instead of, um, you know, I think like women are really focused and, you know, everyone is really focused on getting women into, um, you know, leadership positions and getting women into jobs where there aren't a lot of women, which is great. And also, can we dream up this new, I'm always thinking of matriarchy, which is like my vision for the world. Like, can we dream up a better society that, um, you know, when, when women are centered, it, it doesn't dis or what's the word, like not center everyone else. It is inclusive. It's not, um, patriarchy is more hierarchy, hierarchy, Whereas um, matriarchy is much more like egalitarian and much more community centered. Um, So I think that um, it's never too late to start learning about your cycle and the different phases and tracking your cycle and living in alignment with it. Um, And also I like to just think, you know, if we started life like this, if we just taught little girls about this or they saw their mothers or their sisters living like this, like what kind of world would we have by now so true so true and I'm, I'm, I want to go back to what you were talking about with like the women in leadership because women officially outnumber men in the workplace and I think that that's awesome and we need to kind of use that to our advantage and be like hey I mean we entered the workforce we women mm-hmm. entered the workforce in the 1960s because of the world war ii especially in the u.s because of world war ii and you know, to keep our local economy alive, but they entered a workforce that was created by and for men Mm -hmm. and they never challenged it back then, which sucks, but that's the reality of it. And now we kind of have the numbers. um, And I think that we should use those numbers. It's like, Hey, we are the majority. And so why Mm. haven't you recognized that and shifted the way things work um, to be a more inclusive space for us? So if you're a woman in leadership and you're watching, take this as your call to action. (laughs) Seriously, And that inclusivity doesn't stop with just having women in positions of power, right? It, that inclusivity of women accounts for and upholds the beauty of the things that differentiate women from men. And so this goes back to, I mean, everything we've been talking about, about, you know, we can't just grind nine to five. We can't, you know, just be expected to be on call 24 seven and also raise families and birth children and regulate our cycles and do all the other things to just make us be able to live on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, sometimes those leadership roles look 
something that's more more like not just one person in charge all the time. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is a more communal effort. Maybe leadership in and of itself is a flawed paradigm at this point. Maybe we need to go to something that's more communal, like Emily was saying. Um, and all of those are conversations that need to start happening. And now that women kind of have the floor here, um, or hopefully they do, and uh, with this shift of women taking over the workplace, um, these are conversations that we need to be having and instilling and including in our training manuals and things like that. Well, that'd be so awesome. Yeah, I love the idea of like shared leadership. That's something that we studied a lot in my MBA in sustainability. Um, but I think that that makes a lot of sense because you don't want all the institutional knowledge or power to be with one person anyways. And I think that by having shared leadership, then it gives everyone that flexibility when they need it. I mean, even just looking at things like family leave in our country, it is such a big deal. And for what? Like we live and we breathe and we eat and we die for work, which seems so backwards to me, mm -hmm. um, where women get just this tiny amount of maternity leave. And we're seeing a little bit of increase in paternity leave, but what are we working for? What are we mm -hmm. killing ourselves for? If not to like spend time with the people we love and build families. Like that is what we as a species are supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I love how you mentioned like entering the workforce in the sixties, which I can assume is like around our, our mother's ages. Um, and so of course there was this need when women were starting out to like overexert themselves and to prove themselves and to show that they could keep up and nope, I won't ask for anything. I'm just like happy to be here. And that was the work of, of feminists then. It was getting us into those places, of course. And I think we're still operating in those mentalities. Like you mentioned imposter syndrome earlier. Um, I know so many women who deserve huge pay raises and will not ask for them because there's this feeling of like, well, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. Like, I'll just take what I can get. It's this like scarcity. And I think that it, it is totally can trace back to we're, we have been in the workplace less than a hundred years. We still feel like we have to prove ourselves, um, which is tied into the just like feeling like you being a woman is a burden. You feeling like going through you know, what your body is designed to do every month, even if you never want to have kids, even if you spend your whole life just avoiding pregnancy, um, your body like doesn't know that your body is still gearing up to, to have a baby every single month. Like what? And you're just expected to just go on with life and um, just another Tuesday, just another Tuesday. And you're literally like shedding the lining of your uterus. Like, I don't think people think about that enough. I think about it all the time, but like, <laughs> it's not just like a thing that happens. Like you're, you know, you're just like peeing, like excreting waste. No, your, your body like got the signal that there was no baby this month, like it's a human no, and it's, <laughs> And it but is it now did all like, the work to why? prepare for it right. just in case too. <laughs> like, right. so it's, uh, it's yeah. got you. Yeah. It's prepared you all month. They're like, all right, baby time, baby time, baby time. And then, you know, uh, there's a, there's a consequence or there's, there's a consequence either way, of course, but like there's a natural biological process that happens and we're like taught to just ignore that or you know definitely don't have positive feelings towards it um you know at the very least you just kind of complain about it and chalk it up to just like being a woman and complain to your friends and yeah. be in pain and it's just it's not how we have to live no. we're not in the 60s no. anymore <laughs> it's not a tax it's it's a it's a paycheck Yes. Let's flip the conversation. It's not a woman tax. It's like payday. It's like awesome. I'm capable every, of yeah, like confirmation life. like every month <laughs> mm -hmm. that like, yeah, you are still a woman in like this incredible body that wisdom knows no limits. Yeah. Right. It will continue on without like it doesn't it doesn't care that you're that you have a meeting that day or it doesn't care that you have a nine to five job. Like it just continues doing what it needs to do. And that's you know, our bodies have not, thank God, like caught up to this crazy world that we're living in that's like really not conducive to like flourishing human life. 
um, which is a topic we discuss a lot on our podcast if you're more interested in the health component of it and the environmental component. But yeah, it it's a lot. And this is making me think of just like the evolutionary resiliency of women's bodies. Like even in the face of all this opposition, like nevertheless, our cycles persisted. Like <laughs> yeah, they just keep doing what they're doing and they're like, look, like you're making it really hard. Like then that's when we get things like PCOS or hormone imbalances and endometriosis and all this stuff. And it's like, we're doing the best we can, but we still are cyclical beings and we're still going to keep doing that. So you guys could just make it a little bit easier, maybe not work, you know, 45 hours a week, like something like that. But yeah, I mean, even in spite of the decades and decades of like oppression and opposition to what our bodies are designed to do, they are still operating like this. And I think that should be a clue to us amongst everything else that we need to listen to what our bodies are saying. But it's so hard again, back to the society conversation of like, it's so hard to hear even what our bodies are saying, let alone actualize what they're telling us. Um, So that is the conversation and the cultural shift that Emily and I are campaigning to enact every day. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, it's not like women are just like, I just want to say, it's not like, it's not like we're advocating for women to just be like laying around and waited on hand and foot, which would be amazing. And like my ultimate dream, but it really is that like, we can create the same amount of output and product and beauty and knowledge in the world, um, if not more, but we go about it in a different way or like we're able to go about it in a different way that's more aligned. So it's not that we, you know, can't do as much work or we're not capable of producing as much as our counterparts in the workplace. Um, it's just that it's not gonna look the same. And if we try to make it look the same, um, maybe there is uh, a feeling of like, yeah, burnout and not being able to be productive because you're too sick and don't even get me started on like, you know, six weeks maternity care or maternity leave. Um, you know, it, it is all connected to just this, like, you know, get back up, get in it. And there's nothing wrong with you. I've heard some like horrible stories about, um, women like miscarrying in the workplace and like, not even being not not even being met with any like shred of anything from their admin or their boss just kind of like don't let it happen again or just like you know take care of that like there's See just you tomorrow disconnect oh ex- exactly <laughs> <laughs> like are you kidding me there's a huge disconnect from what's actually happening um and just like you said, Keely, this disconnection from our bodies, not being able to listen to them. I've also intentionally left like the nine to five. I never really was in it, but I'm now, I now have like a part-time job that's akin to like a nine to five, a couple of days a week. And I'm like, how do people do this? It is not okay. And I do like sync with my cycle and I feel like I have a handle on like what my body needs but when I'm in that zone like I can't listen to it like there's consequences if I do um so it is kind of just like this removing and revisioning like I keep saying but it really it's hard to fix something from the inside that's gonna like just destroy your life energy I think what we're kind of getting at is like, there's this need to live more in flow with our cycles. And one of the people who brought this conversation kind of like to the greater public, and I went down her rabbit hole is Alyssa Vitti. And she had this quote that like completely blew me away. Um, And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the part that really struck me was your body is a change agent. And I love that. I think that is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And going back to like what Keely was talking about is that our bodies we're genetically made to like survive through all these changes. Change is the only constant in the world. And in my work in sustainability, that becomes really important. So when you talk about things like resiliency and deep adaptation and being a change agent, which is what so many people who work in sustainability call themselves, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to really call on women 
to lead this work. Because if we're going to say that our bodies are the change agents, how are we not at the forefront of the sustainability movement? And how are we not pushing forward, not just the environmental things, but these important social issues? Mm-hmm. Well, back in college, Emily and I were at the forefront of the sustainability movement. So yeah, there's there a go. total link between what's been done to women and what's been done to the earth. Um, women are the earth, like women grow life and bring life just like the earth does. Um, and, you know, I think that it doesn't take uh, an expert to see the similarities between how we've polluted and destroyed and disregarded and disrespected um, our land and the air and the water and also women. Um, yeah, there's a lot there, but I do agree, like, as, as women are centered and women's uh, cycles and bodies are revered and understood, I mean, let's just start with understood at the very bare minimum, yeah. <laughs> um, then I think the earth is just going to fall in line with that, you know, um, because the culture then shifts, the values of the culture shifts when we respect um, women. Because when we respect women, we are respecting like the cycle of life and life and the body. And, um, you know, we can't have, we're not gonna have like robots and AI out here doing like sustainable social cause work. I mean, maybe they can do like admin, but <laughs> like, it really is such a human, it's such an embodied mm -hmm. um, experience to even like start with that empathy piece of like, okay, let's like care about each other and the earth. You can't do that if you're totally disconnected and checked out and numbed out from your body. So I think they're one and the same. Yeah, I was going to say there is like, I think the work of sustainability and environmental justice and care for creation and all of these things is this notion of interconnectivity, right? Like realizing what effect my existence has on the existence of another thing and caring enough about that other thing and about yourself to like want that to be a valuable and sustainable and ethical and reciprocal relationship. But even before that, like to what Emily was saying, it requires this level of intra-connectivity, which is recognizing the connectivity in and of yourself. Um, and part of that is that cyclical nature. Part of that is looking at the body as a um, like holistic, like interconnected whole. Part of that is the work that we do in astrology of seeing, you know, your connectivity here on earth in and of yourself, but then also seeing that splayed out amongst the stars and the cosmos and all these other things that are conspiring together for you to even exist here at all. Right. And then, you know, once you can tap into that yourself, and we talk so much about intuition in our work and, you know, connecting with that, then you're forced to step outside of that, like, limitation that is yourself and to extend your intuition with your relationship with all that there is other people like situations the environment all these things and like that is the goal like why why else would we all be here at this exact time and space in the forms that we are in all the idiosyncrasies of ourselves if it weren't for one perfectly constructed reason um, and so that intra-connectivity, that in and of itself, in and of yourself connection has to proceed that interconnectivity, or else it'll be shallow. Love that. So much of the work that I do is like about understanding yourself. And um, it's one of the reasons why I actually booked a natal chart reading with you guys was because I'm always on a journey of self-mastery. And I think as we kind of like wind up here, I wanted to just quickly touch on a few other frameworks as people consider living more in tune with their body and their brain. And these can apply men, women, non-binary, like whoever you are, these are kind of like things that you may want to look into if you're kind of questioning the peg that you've been put into, you know, like mm -hmm. if you're looking for creative ways to restructure your life and now is the time to do it, then here's some ideas. I mean, I mentioned chronotypes earlier. I love Enneagram types. I know you guys love Enneagram types. And so would either of you kind of like to give a quick intro to them? Because I'm sure you're well more, way more well-versed than I am. 
Yeah, the Enneagram, um, Chris Hewitt is an Enneagram author. Uh, he wrote the Sacred Enneagram. He calls it a tool for empathy. Uh, and basically there are nine personality types that humans fall into and they're not static like a lot of other classification systems. Um, and it has really strong ties to ancient spirituality and um, sacred geometry and things like that. Uh, but basically it's, it's this, it accounts for this flow in this movement. So within each type, you're not just a type three or a type six. Um, there are levels of health for, you know, when a, when a type four is really stressed, this is what that looks like. When a type four is in a place of security, this is what it looks like. And it's all about um, that tool for empathy mentality of how can we grow in knowledge and understanding of ourself and our motivations and our derivations so as to enter into more um, authentic relationship with other people. Love that. And then of course, there's the typical Myers-Briggs that I feel like most people know of. There are natal chart readings, and I highly recommend that you guys get one with Emily and Keely because I did one and it was awesome. Um, and then some other things to consider are like, uh, there's something that was just on the tip of my tongue. Oh, love languages. So that's kind of like a little bit different, but kind of same, same. So I was explaining love languages to my mom the other day. And I think understanding your love language and, you know, the love languages of the people around you also helps you build better relationships in all facets of your life. Um, anything else that you guys want to talk about in terms of living and understanding how you live? Um, I'll just add to that on the note of like bodily health. Um, you know, there is this kind of Western health monopoly on like how we understand our bodies. And it's very, um, you know, there are so many specialists out there that don't account for, you know, again, that interconnectivity, how all these things are connected. Um, and so uh, in Eastern, uh, like traditional Eastern medical cultures, there is just so much more of that holistic mindset. So um, in terms of like, it's not like a personality test, but you know, uh, like Ayurvedic doshic types um, account for different types of body systems. Um, and then in traditional Chinese medicine, there are body constitutions um, and all of these things take into account like the elements and um, the foods that we should eat and things like that. So I just want to tie those in as well um, as just other things to explore. And there's also like quizzes online to like figure yours out. So, you know, <laughs> it's much more like modernized and accessible um, to us these days, just as things like the Enneagram, the Myers-Briggs are. Yeah, we love that. And I think that's an important note that like so much of your physical body is tied to like your brain and obviously, and I feel like that's stating the obvious, but I think people forget that a lot that also like mm -hmm. hormonal imbalances and mental imbalances, they, they manifest in the body and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so keep that in mind that you as a human being, it's all connected within and you should take care of every aspect of it. Yeah. If you're feeling, um, we just said that, said this on a very recent, uh, podcast episode, but if you're feeling off, dysfunctional, depressed, anxious all the time, uh, just feel like something's off. That's not normal. Like we've normalized it, but just know that you were designed to live a flourishing and thriving life in tune with your body. And so there are so many different ways to find harmony, like in your life and in your body. And these are just a few, but I would definitely encourage if anyone's listening and just feeling like, yeah, I felt off for the past, you know, obviously we've all been feeling off. We're in a pandemic, <laughs> but um, just, you know, there are so many people that are like, yeah, I've had migraines every day for the past, you know, eight years or uh, I've had stomach issues for the past or lower back pain is one that we hear a lot. All these chronic things like you deserve to heal and, and live a happy life. So don't just chalk that up to just like, uh, oh, being a woman, being a woman, being a human, whatever. Um, no, you, your body loves you and is not fighting against you. Just sending you little alerts that something needs to change. Exactly. Awesome. Well, this has been so fun. Thank you guys for kind of joining me and talking about this and spreading that women's empowerment gospel. Um, I just wanted to leave a few minutes so that you guys can tell the people where to find you, what you're up to, share it. 
Yes, um, I can start. Uh, you can follow if, if you liked this conversation um, and this was a very, uh, if you wanna go deeper, um, you can follow my um, birthkeeping page, which is Leo Rising Birthkeeping. Um, and I also hold a virtual women's circle every month. And if you've never been to a women's circle, um, it's a really great place to start exploring more of these topics in depth, um, to start talking about your periods. And, you know, we don't talk about our periods every time, but, you know, that's just a topic that comes up very often. Um, and you can find those. Um, I advertise them on my Instagram and my website is leorisingbirthkeeping.com. Awesome. I'll make sure to include links down below with, for all of these things Thank if you're you. watching on YouTube. Keely? Yeah, I have a lot of things in the works. Um, nothing personal that's like publicly accessible right now, but you can follow my personal Instagram page if you want to stay up to date. Um, it's at Kentucky, the key being my name, K-E-I-G-H. Uh, but I'll plug our podcast, The Fifth Element Podcast, um, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, and then on Instagram, at The Fifth Element Pod. And in our um, bio on Instagram, there are links to all of our offerings. We do, like Nicole said, natal astrology readings, um, where we dive into your birth chart. And um, just, it's like a really like, validating experience is what everyone seems to say and what a gift for us to do that we also do enneagram consultations if you um want to learn more and go deeper into your enneagram type or are confused about which one you are we can talk about that um and yeah emily does a moon womb reading um if you want to look at your astrology specifically through the lens of divine femininity and fertility and cycle health and all the things it's really amazing so i've i've been i've been able to see quite a, quite a few hormonal imbalances in the charts before people even can themselves so it's a fun fun little lens to look through <laughs> i'll probably be booking one of those very very soon um that sounds really fascinating awesome thank you guys again so much this is so much fun um and to everyone who's watching and listening i'll see you next time Bye. thank you